0: Hello and welcome to the City Club of Cleveland. I'm Steve Litt, the art and architecture critic for The Plain Dealer. It's Wednesday, February 3, and you are with the uh, virtual City Club Forum. Um, Underlying many of the issues we face in Northeast Ohio and the United States are fundamental questions of land use and transportation. How we live and where we live are huge determinants of health, economic opportunity and environmental sustainability. Over the past 60 years, no single factor has dominated uh, uh, transportation and land use in America like our interstate highway system. Conceived by then President Eisenhower and funded by Congress in 1956 with a dedicated gas tax, the interstate highway system is said to be the biggest public works project in history. Yet while highways provide high-speed mobility, they've also led to a nation divided between cities, suburbs, and rural areas. New research by scholars at Cleveland State University, shared with The Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com, show that highways have uh, helped divide Northeast Ohio communities into winners and losers. Sprawl development enabled by highways has drained tax base from older urban areas and poured wealth into newer communities beyond Cuyahoga County. Those communities are often majority white, thanks to zoning policies that rule out affordable multifamily housing. To be sure, many factors led to white flight, but it could not have happened to the extent that it did without the supply of new land for development made available by highways. In addition to residential sprawl, we're seeing job sprawl as new employment and retail centers spring up around highway interchanges far from Cleveland and Akron. The Northeast Ohio Area-Wide Coordinating Agency, NOACA, is a Metropolitan Planning Organization, or MPO, and that's the end of the acronyms here. It's uh, one of hundreds of agencies like it, uh, established by the federal government in the 1960s to provide local input on how federal and state dollars would be invested in transportation. After a hiatus of about a decade, NOACA has received requests for no fewer than eight, eight, new or modified interchanges across the five county uh, region it serves, which includes Cuyahoga, Lake, Lorraine, Medina, and Geauga counties. To get in front of that issue, NOWACA's board of directors, which includes a proportional representation of elected officials from the five counties and the city of Cleveland, has developed a new policy on how to evaluate who gets an interchange. Instead of just looking at traditional traffic safety and engineering requirements, the new policy will assess uh, the costs and benefits of a new interchange in a wide uh, variety of measures, and not just the impact on the immediate area, but in the entire five-county region. Will a new interchange create growth that pulls investment and opportunity away from existing communities? Will a new interchange help or hurt racial equity in Northeast Ohio? Will it help or hurt the environment? Now, WACA will apply the new policy, uh, uh, which was approved in December, to the new interchange proposals uh, uh, by this summer. That's when the agency will complete its new long-range transportation plan for the region Eneo 2050. And I might add that the E in E-NEO stands for equity. To discuss the new policy and how it will be put into action, we have with us here today Grace Gallucci, Executive Director and CEO of the Northeast Ohio Area-wide Coordinating Agency, NOACA. We have Annette Blackwell, mayor of the city of Maple Heights, an in-rig suburb south of Cleveland that has lost tax base and population during the highway era. Mayor Blackwell also serves on NOACA's board of directors, and she led the policy committee that developed the new policy on interchanges. And we have Mayor Edward Krause uh, from Solon, a Southeast Cuyahoga County suburb that has done well in the highway era with one of the biggest job hubs in Northeast Ohio and a population that's growing in diversity. But Solon can't take its current prosperity for granted. Uh, As research research, uh, that we will be discussing also shows, today's winners can be tomorrow's losers. Uh, As in every City Club forum, you can participate with your questions. Text them to 330-541-5794. That's 330-541-5794. You can also tweet them at the City Club. We will work them in. So now let's begin. Um, uh, Director Gallucci, uh, would you say that uh, my lead-in was accurate? Is there anything you wanted to to add or, or change? Did I get it right?
1: Uh, Yes, Steve, I think your introduction was very um, appropriate. It certainly gave a wonderful background on why we're here today. I do want to take a moment first to thank you uh, for your interest in the policy and to thank the City Club for allowing us to have this forum uh, to discuss it. I want to also thank the NOACA board for their vision, their vision of regional cohesion and equity relative to transportation investments to support economic development, enhance quality of life for all people of greater Cleveland is really why we're here today to discuss this policy.
0: Well, uh, let me uh, just a quick follow up for you. Um, uh, Why should we care about what happens with interchanges? And uh, uh, to refer to our title today, uh, what is smart growth and how can this new policy help move us in the direction of smart growth?
1: Well, I think um, the policy, and why you should care is very simple. It's access. Access and mobility equals opportunity, right? Opportunity equals the American dream. It's access to jobs, to housing, to healthcare, to education, Um, That's about access to a better life. It's what everyone is looking for. And this policy looks to provide that opportunity to all people. That's what we look at when we say equity. But it also um, looks to support transparency. So we understand how these decisions are made, why they're made, and ensure that we're studying the potential impacts of Um, highway interchanges or any other transportation investments. It's about good planning, as you said, smart growth planning. Um, We're looking to make sure that some of the issues um, that we often call externalities, which are unintended consequences of the highway uh, building, doesn't happen in the future. You know, if we look at things and say, um, the intent was to provide um, additional uh, mobility for folks, um, but then certainly some of the inequitable uh, placement of those interchanges or of the highway system had, you know, very um, negative consequences for many in the region and many across the country. So I think when we talk about smart growth, what we're saying is that growth in one part of the region should not equal loss or abandonment in another part of the region. You know, a region is like a living organism, damage to one part is damage to all, and often starting with the core. So we're looking at how do we ensure that all decisions relative to transportation infrastructure are good for the entire region?
0: Well, uh, you know, another important piece of background here before we uh, uh, bring in our other panelists is that in 2014, uh, NWACA uh, finished uh, leading uh, another important planning project for the region, which is uh, called uh, Vibrant Neo 2040. And the big conclusion of Vibrant Neo uh, was that um, between 1970 and 2010, uh, we lost something like 7, 7% of, of our population in Northeast Ohio, while the uh, developed footprint of the region expanded by more than 20%. And so the conclusion, the big takeaway from that is that um, we have built more stuff, but we have fewer taxpayers. So, Vibrant Neo's prediction was: in the future, if we continue growing the same way, and that would mean adding interchanges where you have new, new create new job hubs and new development, um, you know, we're, we're all going to be uh, facing higher tax bills in the future. So, not only is the current pattern inequitable in terms of sort of hardening the boundaries that create uh, uh, racial and economic segregation. In the future, everyone's gonna be a loser. Is that a fair summary? I think that's
1: an, yeah, I think that's an excellent summary. Uh, Vibrant Neo, of course, was completed in 2014 and was done in uh, collaboration with my counterparts in Akron, Canton, and Youngstown. Noaka did lead uh, the effort as the largest NPO in the region, uh, but really we looked at it as all of Northeast Ohio. And as you suggested, uh, the research demonstrated, the conclusions really showed that as a region, we... You know, it's wishfully uh, grew or wishfully, wishfully designed our, our growth. Uh, when you talk about recycling, they say wishful recycling, it doesn't really, um, this is not something we can really recycle, but you wish it would, so you kind of think you can't. And so when we look at what has happened over the region um, during the last 50, 60 years, you're exactly right. We grew in footprint. We expanded our infrastructure. We had less people living in more land, which of course is an additional burden on the taxpayer to to implement the infrastructure needs, um, but also just the overall uh, government agencies that are required to, to, to keep that moving. And so, yes. If we encouraged uh, people to move to uh, the region and they did in fact uh, come through because I think a lot of it when you go back to the 1960s and look at the planning processes the idea was that we were going to attract about another million people and so that was in the early documents of the 60s and if you thought we were going to attract another million people in the region um, it made sense to do some of the growth um, th- that we move forward with, but we are not growing. We are maintaining uh, the same population level and even decreasing population, depending on how you want to look at it. So this is an inflection point for us. What do we see for our future and uh, what do we want to do about it? And that was the crux of the Vibrant
0: Neo work. Right. Uh, Mayor, Mayor Blackwell, uh, Maple Heights was an early winner in, in the uh, uh, post-war, <laughs> Uh, history of, of suburban development. Uh, it, it grew very quickly after the war with uh, um, a middle-class working population. Uh, but then with the introduction of uh, highways, uh, specifically 480 and 271, uh, that pulled growth and development away. Now you've lost population uh, and, and Maple Heights is a poorer city. Uh, how do you think the, the new interchange policy would, would help communities like, like yours? The inner ring suburbs uh, around uh, our older cities?
2: Well, I've done some studying, obviously, sitting in this seat, coming from a corporate background, not a political background, but finding myself in a city that was failing in, in every way. Um, economically, we were in fiscal emergency. Home values with the 2012 reevaluation had dropped over 30%. Major employers um, had left the city. And so we've got about a 20% 20 poverty rate. Um, So changing something that uh, really created what's been termed as gentrification-based displacement, addressing that, uh, as the executive director talked about, uh, unintentional, and I've said before, I don't think it was unintentional, but intentionally changing that gentrification-based displacement being focused on restoring economic equity and reversing what has been disinvestment, which has, has really been the challenge for anyone sitting in the CEO seat. I mean, you have to balance revenue you know, uh, versus expenses. It's gonna make Maple Heights in a position to do better. We're a long way from winning in the way um, that I, I think we can. I mean, there's some so many years of those policies and practices that have greatly affected Maple Heights um, over, over two decades, really. It began to change in the 70s. And here we are in 2021, just getting past fiscal emergency, getting our values up over 20%. But it needs it needs a lot of, of, of organizations like NOACA and the partnership that we have with the county, uh, the economic, uh, development initiatives, what they're doing with the CARES Act money to sustain businesses. All of those are things that we need to have in our toolkit for cities like Maple Heights. And then for mayors, whomever that might be sitting in these seats, to have those two kits, have those resources, have those relationships, have those memberships on the board. And they fortunate to be on the board of NAWPHA. We've been able to take advantage of some programs that have helped us get to a place that I think that we can win, begin to win again.
0: Well, uh, what the, the policy would do, uh, let's say, if uh, some of those eight interchanges are not built is that it would limit the supply of new land for development. Do you think that that would mean more development dollars would flow back into communities like yours?
2: I certainly do, given the economic activities that have uh, been presented to the city of Maple Heights and the area more specifically of senior housing, uh, new senior housing developments as well as single-family housing, um, new housing. We just had our first two homes built in the city in a historic district, President's Row, a place where only Blacks could, could live many years ago for the first time in, in over 10 years, and that was a partnership with the Land Bank. And because that was a successful program, because it was a proven market and a product that people are willing to to invest in, um, we are now looking at where, where else we can do some bigger development. So yes, to... to I, sounding, yes,
0: to you know, a, another thing that I wanted to bring up from, from our, our past conversations is that you've, you've said to me that you felt that um, white flight and suburban sprawl uh, were, were motivated by many factors, not necessarily race. But now that we know that uh, um, highway-enabled sprawl development causes racial disparities, that continuing to do that would be a form of racism?
2: It most certainly would.
0: Okay. Uh, Mayor Krause, uh, Solon looks very different from other suburbs in Cuyahoga County. It it played the game so well uh, in the 60s and 70s by reserving huge tracts of land for industrial development, industrial and commercial. Uh, And now you have a very healthy uh, tax base um can can you feel secure that that's going to be uh um you know that that will persist in the future uh, uh, given that we may see some of these interchanges approved and uh, more development occurring further out
3: so the, the simple answer steve is no uh i just first i want to say just uh, it's great to be on a panel with uh mayor blackwell grace steve uh it's a wonderful um discussion that we're having um, my, my framework uh, as I sit in Solon, we have about 900 uh, businesses, uh, about 30,000 folks uh, that come here every day. We are the second largest job hub in the county uh, next to the city of Cleveland. And so um, our, our challenges, uh, are our skills gap uh, that we work uh, quite regularly with Tri-C, making sure that um, the folks that are applying for the jobs and getting the jobs have the proper skills uh, for all of our businesses, but also um, we have a mobility gap. And so uh, sometime back uh, at the request of uh, Senator Matt Dolan, uh, we started a mobility task force to make sure that um, all of we came together as a team to make sure that um, the folks that uh, don't have cars, uh, don't you know, have the mobility to be able to get here, are not able to travel on the interstate, but need um, public transit to have uh, better access. So our uh, mobility task force uh, took a look at that, I find the folks, and it disproportionately affects people of color uh, getting to a lot of our uh, industrial manufacturing jobs and also taking a look at what we call the first mile, uh, last mile to make sure that they're not just dropping them off, you know, three quarters of a mile from work, but making sure that they get there. So our task force uh, convened uh, the RTA, noaka was uh, involved, uh, Senator Dolan, but what uh, Tracy and what we also did, we made sure that there's um, Private uh, investment and in, in private companies. So, uh, a lot of our major employers: uh, Swagelok, Nestle, Raptite, uh, Cleveland Clinic, to make sure that um, we're all doing it together. Because our our competition is not each other anymore. Th- those days are long gone. Uh, our competition is is Dublin, Ohio, uh, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Austin, Texas, you know, California. So, we want to make sure, as Grace says you know, we wanna make sure we're doing uh, smart growth. Uh, so for instance, I, I'm giving an example, uh, if you lived in Parma, but you worked at Nestle uh, and you were trying to get here on public transit, you would have to take a bus from Parma, go downtown, take a transfer, and then uh, make it out to Solon. In some of our zip codes, and many of our uh, folks come from uh, the inner ring suburbs, city of Cleveland, uh, makes it very difficult. If you have to commute for 90 minutes, or close to two hours to get to, to work, uh, makes it very difficult with child care issues. So uh, when I talk about smart growth, uh, it's not just the interchanges, but making a robust public-private partnership so that folks can get here uh, on, uh, on on public transit. Uh, they need to get here on time uh, and need to get home on time to take care of their kids and, and the various other things. And it's um, it, it's gotta be a public-private partnership. The, the days of government all doing it alone uh, without uh, private investment, without the companies getting involved, because it's the the Nestles and the locks of the world, that are going to benefit uh, from being able to fill the skills gap and make sure their workers uh, get here without spending you know ninety minutes on public transit.
0: Well, uh, thanks, Mira. This is a this is a different uh, but related question to to the the issue of uh, adding new interchanges that that we've been talking about. Uh, I, I guess I would follow up by saying, when can we expect to see? Uh, a solution to that last mile problem, so that people have a more reasonable uh, commute, and uh, can can such a solution be uh, introduced soon at a scale that is commensurate with with the issue?
3: Yeah, I I think uh, I think it's critical. Uh, if we're going to have to if we're going to be competing with you know the Dublin's and Indianapolis and Pittsburgh for for companies and for businesses and frankly uh, keeping our businesses here. Uh, one of the things, you know, Swagelock, you know, it's about a 40 million dollar investment in their global headquarters here, uh, but they need worker mobility. So it's going to take RTA uh, and RTA has been a fabulous partner in this. Uh, the new director uh, is completely hands on and, and wants to work out a solution, but it's going to take companies, our businesses, um, especially you know we built this jobs hub here you know it's been in existence for uh decades uh, there's another you know jobs hub you look at the um university circle and what they just did uh, the innovation center uh, between the hospitals there uh, the universities uh it, that's how you do it you build it it's that public private partnership and I, and I think if we're going to be competitive as a region if we're going to keep our companies here and begin getting investment from outside the region, uh, we're gonna have to solve this uh, critical issue, both uh, the smart growth and the mobility because it, it disproportionately affects folks that live in the city. It disproportionately affects people of color uh, and it's creating a, a skills gap, and a mobility gap um, that needs to be addressed and solved uh, uh, if we wanna be uh, an equitable, uh, inclusive, diverse community that um, has jobs and access for all.
0: Okay so I'll I'll try one more time. The question is when will we see uh, a similar? Well it,
3: I, I think the answer's got to be in a year. Uh, it, it can't it can't wait. Uh, these these issues can't wait. We're losing uh companies, uh, we're losing investment to cl- places like Columbus and Indianapolis and Pittsburgh and Cincinnati as we speak and um uh, it's got to be a collective effort. It's got to be a whole team. Uh, all hands on deck to make right. sure that it works.
0: And the workforce mobility question would certainly help communities like Maple Heights, which has workers that want to get to the to the jobs in, in Solon. Uh, Director Galucci, I wanted to uh, uh, to ask um, a, a question that we've we've heard before about whether Noaca has the power to veto a new interchange there are eight requests sitting in front of your agency now uh, that's an unprecedented number uh, to have at one time uh, and one could imagine all kinds of commercial development and retail springing up uh, all kinds of new stuff getting built in the five county region uh, so what do you uh, what is your answer to that to that question of do you have the power to deny
1: um, I answer that question by saying, We have the power, as you are saying, uh, but more the responsibility to advance projects into our long range plan. Interchanges are a part of that project infrastructure that we have purview over. Our objective is to evaluate these interchanges along with other projects and to determine whether they move forward based on all the criteria that we have set. So I don't think it ever gets to a veto point because we are the uh, the originator of that consensus-built decision.
0: Okay. So what I'm hearing you you saying is that you, the the evaluation process that you've set up under the new policy uh, will involve uh, the, the community that's requesting the interchange and a thorough evaluation by NOACA, which will provide lots and lots of new data, new kinds of data that you've never looked at uh, before in such a comprehensive manner, and that will include factors like racial equity, so that you can see, does this help or hurt? Does this help or hurt the environment to have an exit at point A? Will it affect point B in a negative manner? And I wanted to ask you, how can we be certain that you're accurately measuring something like racial equity? How do you do that?
1: So um, certainly all of the research that goes into evaluating projects um, looks to obtain data and data points from various sources. As you indicated, we will be working with the communities requesting the interchanges. We will be working with the Ohio Department of Transportation. We'll be working with Federal Highway um, and and the local uh, uh, counties and, and the individuals that that live in the area um, to ensure that there's a fair process. Um, When you think about how you will measure specific aspects of the criteria we've created, like racial equity, um, we have, Uh, tried to quantify as much of the data as possible. Certainly some of it will not be able to be quantified. It will have to be more of a qualitative measure. But let's go back to the quantification. Uh, What we can do, we have been able to identify environmental justice parts of the region. Environmental justice is a federal uh, designation uh, to indicate uh, where individuals um, live that are of uh, minority Uh, background or low income. And so we have plotted all of those points out on maps and we can look at it comprehensively and say, with this new interchange here at point A, um, we certainly look at, as I said earlier, the overall impact to the region. So we're not only going to look at the impact to um, A, but we're going to look at the whole region. And then we're also gonna specifically take out that subgroup of environmental justice populations and study that to see what happens to the people in these parts of the region. We have it broken down by TAS, uh, traffic analysis zone, which is very specific. And so we can say, if this interchange um, is built here, uh, what does access to that interchange look like for individuals uh, living in EJ areas? Specifically, when we look to address racial equity, um, are their commutes longer? Are job opportunities less or more? Uh, what's the impact to that group of of uh, to that community?
0: Okay, and um, uh, the uh, the the new policy developed, as a, as I understand it, in in some ways, is a reaction to. Uh, what happened uh, in the early 2000s when the city of Avon in eastern Lorain County uh, sought to have a new uh, exit off of uh, I-90. It was very controversial. The city of Cleveland was against it because it foresaw that jobs and development would would leave uh, Cleveland and Cuyahoga County. Um, uh, The exit was largely funded by private sources, so it wouldn't be a, a, a case where um, you know, uh, the, the municipality is coming into whack and saying we want federal and state money to do this. Today, under your new policy, if um, a community comes to you and says, hey, we want to be in your plan, we'll pay for it ourselves, does that make a difference in terms of how you would evaluate it and whether you could exercise a veto over it?
1: Um, it does not make a difference. Uh, Noeca's purview of responsibility is twofold one is planning the other is funding. And so when we talk about funding projects and approving based on funding, NOACA does have funds to be able to allocate to projects. Um, similarly, as does ODOT or even FHWA, which is Federal Highway we're really looking at the planning side. And on the planning side, uh, regardless of where the money is coming from, uh, we are looking out for the public interest. And because these are part of the federal highway system, so an interchange is part of the federal highway system and it impacts the federal highway system um, in ways that we need to study, um, that gives us the ability to, um, as you say, um, I guess have the veto or uh, make the decision.
0: Okay, thank you. Um, I want to say that in a few minutes we will be turning to uh, questions from our audience. Uh, If you have questions for Grace Gallucci, Mayor Blackwell or Mayor Kraus, please text them to 330-541-5794. That's 330-541-5794. You can see it at the bottom of your screen. You can also tweet them at the City Club and we will try to work some of those in. So uh, we have a new administration in Washington. Uh, I wanted to ask uh, any of you on the panel whether you're seeing early indications of uh, how that uh, new administration might view this policy and how it might view uh, transportation issues in Northeast Ohio in general.
2: Um, I'll go first. I'm optimistic optimistic because of the diversity in the cabinet and I'm not just speaking of the the, the, the VP. I'm speaking of all of the appointments. Quite, quite, quite a deal of women are are, are part of this this uh, administration, including our own former uh, Congresswoman Marsha Fudge in her appointment uh, as Secretary of HUD. So certainly, I'm very optimistic about that uh, that local person having that appointment in the diversity. I think the diversity of the Uh, administration understands the concept of urban villages. You know, the other issue with with sprawl and highways is in these small urban villages, you know, there's a sense of values and traditions that are maintained and knowing who your neighbor is and knowing who the children are, which, of course, in that case, in in many cases, addresses and maybe abates crimes, especially with the call for defending the police. These are issues that sometimes... Or are addressed in its own way. We're able to maintain those cultures and those values and those small, small communities where everybody's responsible or feels responsible for everyone else, their well-being, their kids, their child-rearing. So I'm optimistic because because of the diversity, them understanding coming from different parts of of, of the world, different being um, just different cultures, the, the way we, we you know we're. we're we're kind of raised or or, or cultural uh, norms that come to um to the way that we manage or we lead, I think we're gonna see that a personality coming to these roles. Women rule differently. They lead differently than men. Um and, and I say that probably in a way that some people think is biased, but I'm just speaking of myself. You know, just just being more in tune, um, there's a real compassion. There's a little bit more to detail and organization. I think we're gonna benefit from that. As a country, that kind of diversity in leadership.
0: Thank you very much.
3: I would echo. I would echo the mayor's comments and just say two words. Uh, one is infrastructure. I, I think uh, there's going to be a, uh, a major emphasis on infrastructure, uh, whether it's for, you know, uh, companies or whether it's for trail projects and all the various things that that accompany infrastructure. And the other issue, which I think is going to stand front and center is workforce. Uh, I think this administration will be laser focused on uh, making sure uh, we close that skills gap so that that whether it's high school, whether it's college, that we're getting uh, students trained for the jobs of the 21st century in terms of technology and innovation.
0: Okay, Uh, well, we are getting some terrific uh, questions from our audience and uh, Mayor Kraus, I'll just follow up with uh, uh, one for you right away. Uh, there's a discussion about affordable housing that that we're hearing. So one question for you uh, would be, um, uh, wouldn't it make sense uh, to help uh, employees to live in Solon rather than have uh, low-wage workers uh, commuting from inner-ring suburbs? And what are you doing about affordable housing and multifamily in Solon?
3: It's a great uh, it's a great question steve uh, we actually um uh, addressed this recently we rezoned uh a uh, uh property with the old uh, liberty ford site on aurora road uh to mixed use and one of the mixed uses will be uh, multi-family uh and we also have you know obviously other uh, apartment complexes and and actually we have a a wide range of uh, homes uh, going from you know, 150, all the way up, uh, much higher than that. But uh, one of the one of the ways you do that uh, is through uh, rezoning uh, of property.
0: Great, thank you. Um, and this is uh, for any of you who would like to jump in. Uh, what does post pandemic land use planning uh, look like uh, uh, now that we've seen the rise of uh, telecommuting and the decline of retail shopping? Um, is is driving Uh, becoming moot to a certain extent? Do you expect things to bounce back the way they were? Anyone like to take that? Director Gallucci, you look like you're...
1: Well, sure. I mean, that that is something at this point that we're studying. We'll see um, uh, what comes out of this. We know that Uh, Telecommuting certainly will demonstrate, uh, has demonstrated uh, success and and interest by others who may not have initially thought of it. Uh, So there will be things that change, but there's probably also going to be things that not only go back to the way they were, but perhaps even get heightened. Uh, So we are open to uh, looking at new ways of um, ensuring that people have access and mobility, uh, but it, it sort of remains to be seen.
3: Steve, I also, I would chime in that um, uh, the, the the Metro Parks uh, footprint will continue to grow because uh, through the pandemic, there's one thing I realized that people wanted to get out and walk and bike and run. And so one of the things that we did, we, we rezoned a property, the Hawthorne, the old Hawthorne Valley Country Club uh, will be uh, green space, 150 acres. Uh, and so those are the kind of things, land uses that I think we're going to be looking at because they they take it out of development and they become quality of life issues for your residents and the people that work in your community. Go ahead. Like, to,
1: to add to that, when you're talking about land use relative specifically to transportation infrastructure, we were already well on our way to increasing bicycle facilities and pedestrian facilities, but I think this will um, continue to support that effort and I can see um, more investments in bicycle and pedestrian facilities.
0: You know, I, I think uh, the way the conversation is turning now uh, uh, tips towards uh, another question that I've received, uh, which is whether smart growth planning uh, is only focused on future development or whether it can address and manage existing problems. And, and I think what we're talking about is how, how do you take smart, smart growth design principles and retrofit the environment that we have, Mayor Krauss, We've been talking about how do you deal with the last mile commute? How do you uh, create more green space so that you improve uh, uh, quality of life in your in your community? And Mayor Blackwell, how can uh, how can uh, improved mobility create opportunity for uh, uh, employees who live in your community and want to uh, you know work work in other places? It's, it really is about retrofitting, isn't it? As much as it is about planning forward. Yes. Okay. Um, uh, tax sharing is another question that we had. And this goes back, I think this would be uh, turning back to the example of Avon that we discussed earlier. So uh, the NOACA board eventually approved uh, the Nagel Road exit in eastern Lorraine County in the city of Avon back in 2007, 2008. And part of the deal was that uh, uh, income tax from new jobs created around the interchange would be transferred back to the city of Cleveland for a period of time uh, to sort of mitigate the negative uh, uh, potential negative impact of the new uh, interchange. Uh, As as I understand it from all of our conversations here, uh, those payments were never made because um, the, the growth of the Cleveland Clinic in University Circle in the city of Cleveland sort of canceled out any loss from transferring jobs to the new Cleveland Clinic facility in Avon. Is that is that your understanding, uh, Director Glucci? It,
1: it is. Um, I think the idea that the NOAC board had and put in its resolutions uh, were an effort to bring some remedy to the job losses in Cleveland and to the job gains in um, Avon, um, and which, which based on uh, the exchange of funding or, or uh, revenue, uh, did not materialize.
0: Uh, right. So do you, do you think that um, your policy, uh, the NOACA policy, and, and Mayor Blackwell, please uh, uh, join in if you like, uh, and Mayor Kraus as well, uh, do you think that uh, conversations arising from the new policy Let's say you, you have a situation where you're you're going to approve an interchange and put it in your ENEO 2050 long range plan. Uh, that such a discussion could include uh, uh, future uh, uh, tax transfer uh, agreements between communities. Well, How would I do- all of you react to that?
1: I mean, I do think that the policy certainly gives us an opportunity to redress past harms caused by the transportation system. Um, and, And we know that highways facilitated and heightened racially segregated communities and created disparate outcomes relative to access and opportunity. And when you think about access and opportunity, it's much broader than just the land use in that interchange. We are talking about a number of other um, aspects of comprehensive planning like housing. And yes, I think um, part of the analysis will demonstrate where potential harms will happen. And we will look at ways to negotiate or build consensus around remedying those potential harms. So, You know, it doesn't mean that interchange may not move forward if XYZ is uh, perceived to be uh, potentially a harm. But can that harm be overcome by, say, uh, building multifamily housing, affordable housing in communities uh, where the interchange would be located in order to allow people to have more access? So those are the kinds of questions and the kind of solutions that we will be looking for.
0: This is an awful lot of planning that has to happen between now and and the summer when you hope to um, to finalize your long range plan. Uh, Can all of that happen or will some of the uh, interchange policy uh, uh, proposals be discussed after that?
1: Um, you know, when you're looking at the overall movement of people and uh, jobs to suburbs, exurbs that lead to um, all of the uh, changes that we're talking about, it is an awful lot of work to study that. And we want to get it right. Uh, so all eight of them may not end up being complete uh, by the time the uh, policy is adopted in June, uh, we may end up taking the ones sort of in order of magnitude or in order of, um, uh, you know, how, how the communities are, um, you know, how they've sort of posed them to us and how uh, they impact current, you know, the current landscape.
0: You know, I'm getting a lot of questions about, um, you know, whether communities should be discouraged from seeking new interchanges or um, the fact that uh, everybody's against sprawl until uh, their, uh, their ox is gored and they don't get an, an interchange. Uh, I think behind all of that is is a larger question of uh, are we in this altogether in Northeast Ohio uh, as, as a collective uh, uh, a region, or are we a bunch of individual municipalities governed under home rule in which each The government unit is responsible for solving its own problems within its own boundaries and its own tax base. Um, I'd love to hear from our mayors about that. I
3: I, we we have to be partners. Uh, It it doesn't work uh, if I'm uh, operating solo here in Solon, even though we benefit from that with our nine hundred companies. But I could tell you uh, when I heard the news that um, Gojo uh, was locating in Maple Heights. Uh, I was, that was one of the greatest days, uh, as mayor of Solon. Uh, cause I know uh, how much Maple Heights needed that. And I know the work that Mayor Blackwell put into making sure that the relocated and that's, that's smart growth. I mean, that is really smart for them. Uh, an amazing company out of Akron, uh, to be able to, uh, uh relocate. And so when, you know when Swagelock uh, is building their global headquarters here, sure, do we benefit? But um, we put in millions of dollars in infrastructure for that. We provide you know police and, and fire um, and the region benefits because now more people from Maple Heights and more people from Warrensville Heights and more people from Collinwood and, and Parma are going to be able to be employed. That's how we compete against Texas and Columbus and California is investing in these job hubs, investing in our companies. You know, when the clinic expands and University Hospital, when they grow, you know, on site, uh, the region benefits from that. Uh, More job growth, more access. And um, those, you know, those tractions or or extractions, you know, disproportionately uh, disadvantage people of color. And so when those companies, you know, when Nestle brings the division here, uh, out of California and Illinois, you know the region benefits greatly. You know by that, and and more people are employed at Nestle. So we have to all be in it together. Whether it's you know Gojo Maple Heights or Progressive Insurance in in Mayfield, or you know uh, Highland Software in in Westlake, uh, we have to all you know work together because when one grows, we all grow. Because our 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 residents uh, are going to be gainfully employed, and they can pay their mortgages and have money to shop and have money to. Eat at local restaurants and that's how a region you know grows and that's how we attract more investment so
2: and, stay at, yeah go uh, ahead please i would just add that's how it is now and thank gosh I'm, I'm happy for that mayor crowds um it didn't feel that way six years ago yeah. and, and i'm not but shameful plug but i think the cahoga mayors and city managers and the, the intentional representation of NOACA board puts us all in one room. It puts us in a room and it, has, it, it forces us to face our differences. And it forces us to discuss, have uncomfortable conversations about inequities. Eddie Krause has been to Maple Heights. He's sat in my office. I've been able to tell him exactly what I need. That hasn't always been the case. And let's, let's go back to this past summer. There was an awakening like no one knew when George Floyd was murdered on screen for everyone to see. It shook people in ways that hadn't been shaken. It made them have uncomfortable discussions with their children at the dinner table or walking you know, after dinner. And it took organizations all over this country began to formulate what we did at NOACA on a Friday afternoon. For hours, wherever we were, we dropped what we were doing said, we've got to address this as as an um, MPO. We must. And you saw all over companies' statements on their web pages. It shook us to a place that said we can't operate independently anymore. Everyone was affected by what we saw, the loss, the the, the racism, the cruelty. And so I think we're doing it, we had, we were having those conversations but let's be I'm the only African American female mayor in 15 out of 59 communities. When I first walked in rooms, I didn't know what was going on. No one looked like me. No one looked like me. But I can say 6 years later, 2 years into a second term, everyone knows my name and I can pick up the phone and say, "How do you do this?" and "How do you?" So we're doing that now deliberately, intentionally and, and because it's the right thing to do. Everybody is I think there's a commitment that hasn't been before because of what we all experienced together. And even just recently with the the interaction at the White House, we have to do better. We're forced to do better because it's in our face in a way that's undeniable. It is not okay for Maple Heights to start while Eddie Krause and his, his people are eating caviar. That's not okay. And we both know that's not okay. So yes, he celebrates because he knows that now we can change our dynamics. When I go to, to NOAC and I sat on the board when I was chair last year, we there wasn't a Tower of Babel. We were all speaking the same language, justice, equity, equality. And so there is a commitment from my opinion, having, having walked into a space that no one looked like me. It feels very different six years later. The work is real, the commitment's real, I think the, the, the camaraderie is real, the collegiality is real, the cheerleading's real. We all deserve, in this country, a great opportunity to win. There should be no winners and losers. That, that whole, just that that, that that description is upsetting to me. Who determines winners and losers We need to change that, and I think that's what we're doing, many of us, across this this region.
0: Mayor Blackwell, uh, you shared with me your your very moving personal story of having grown up on uh, what was a former plantation outside of Selma, Alabama, during the Jim Crow era, and then uh, being part of the great migration uh, north to northeast Ohio, where uh, you've uh, you know, started a professional career, and uh, wound up in a, in a in a position that you're in now, where you're influencing policy. Um, tell us tell us what that means to you uh, to um, uh, to have brought that life experience to your work at NOACA.
2: I came to the north because there's still so cons- many people consider it as two different countries, the north and the south, as a two year old in, in 1962 with my dad who had come a year before. the great migration because I'm only one generation from sharecropping. My dad was a sharecropper. They lived on land that had been a former plantation, but many people stayed because they had nowhere to go and no no resources and they continued to pick cotton. He did not want that. My dad did not want that for my sister and I. So I came here as a two-year-old and um, I came here not with hate, but with hope. And so for me, I've been pursuing hope and opportunity with everything in me and every breath in my body. So when I fight for that in Maple Heights, it's personal. I know what it is to to pursue hope. I know what it is to to also experience fear and what you feel is is unfair and and, uh, that people do not hear you. So I lead with that understanding in a way that I've tried to affect change in a way that people feel valued. They don't feel like losers and however they got to the North or Maple Heights. And I tell people all the time that that, that maybe think Maple Heights isn't the city. For some people, Maple Heights is as good as it gets. 26 years ago for me, moving from the Glenville area, Maple Heights was as good as it, it got for me. I could have moved on, but I stayed here because my, my my opportunities, my income improved. I didn't have to stay in Maple Heights, but for some where it gets as good as it gets, it's a, it's a great place. I chose to stay in a celebrate place. So for me, it's personal. I understand in a very, very personal and very, very passionate way.
0: Thank, thank you so much. Uh, Director Gallucci, uh, following up, um, tell us uh, uh, how the uh, new statement on racial equity on the NOACA homepage relates to everything that we've been discussing, including uh, the new interchange policy.
1: Um, Sure. The board adopted the racial equity statement in June. Um, It does contain a number of um, components that sort of give us background and then take us forward. Uh, One is the statement of highways facilitated and heightened racially segregated communities and disparate outcomes relative to access and opportunity. I stated that earlier. It's worth stating again. And it continues by saying you know, racial justice remains a prominent issue yet to be fully addressed. And that the NOACA board is aware of historic racism and its legacies. It also says we're committed to eradicate racism and committed to justice and equity. And specifically when it comes to transportation, they state, we are committed to understanding, evaluating and measuring how our policies and our actions impact equity in our region. NOACA is being is committed to being a leader in transforming our region into one where equity is achieved by creating access and opportunity through transportation and environmental planning. In essence, uh, we will be more cognizant and deliberate um, about creating policies and using criteria to evaluate projects and ensuring that we are not exasperating the history of racism um, and its legacy on our communities relative to transportation infrastructure.
0: Thank you. Uh, there, there's an environmental uh, side to all of this, of course, uh, when there's a new development at an interchange, there's a more impermeable surface, there's more vehicle miles traveled, more air pollution, et cetera. Uh, but there's also uh, uh, consumption of open land, uh, changing farmland forever into something else. Uh, so how does that uh, enter into the thinking uh, in the five counties? Uh, and uh, do farmers still see the development of their land uh, and the sale of it as, as uh, part of their retirement plan? Can we get away from that kind of thinking? What, what do, how do we see preservation of, of farmland in Vision 2040 And uh, can we move away from this uh, 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 pattern that we've seen in the past?
1: Well, the preservation of farmland was one of the core themes in the vibrant NEO work that we did. And so that still uh, permeates today in our plans and the interchange policy. We are looking at um, land use and specifically at um, how much more in terms of impervious surface will be added to the region and other indicators, as you stated. Um, I think it's our objective to inform so we really look at the uh, components of the analysis as putting together all of the pieces um, to inform the board so they can make the decisions uh, based on what's best for the region. Um, I can tell you that not, uh, uh, I, can, I can speak anecdotally of um, contacts that have been come, that have come through to Noaka uh, from farmers who are saying that they're uh, very pleased with the interchange policy uh, because they have been concerned about uh, their farms being threatened. Um, and, and we've had a lot of positive comments from the rural community. So I think that that does uh, say something about what we're doing and, and how that it's bringing the urban and the rural communities together on some issues.
3: Yeah, Steve, I, I would add um, there's a, as a mayor, Uh, You know, there's a cost uh, of taking uh, green space and um, replacing that with pavement. Uh, And the cost is um, uh, your stormwater uh, management system uh, has a very negative effect to that. There are uh, flooding issues in people's homes. And so um, having that green space uh, really protects um, the the property values. Uh, It protects the stormwater uh, that goes running on, on pavement. And so, um, again, you know, we talk about uh, you have to do it smart. Uh, you have to see see where the smart growth is and be very careful uh, when you take uh, green space and you try to convert that into um, a lot of pavement because it, it could have a very negative effect uh, on, your, on your community.
0: Thank you. You know, uh, I, I think uh, this policy and the discussion that we're having relates to Uh, other efforts that urban regions, metropolitan regions have had uh, in in terms of controlling uh, growth, uh, whether it's uh, consolidating uh, city and county government in Indianapolis or uh, requiring uh, communities in the uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul area to do more uh, land use planning and to relate that to transportation or uh, at, at the farthest end, uh, uh, creating urban growth boundaries, which is what uh, cities in the state of Oregon uh, have done. Where does this policy stand in, in that continuum? Uh, this idea that we're gonna kind of throttle down on consumption of new land by questioning whether uh, communities get, interch- get to plug into the existing highway system, which they might've taken for granted in the past.
1: Um, Well, I I think I certainly want to emphasize that the policy is not intended to um, discourage um, the interest in interchanges. It's intended to evaluate those interchanges with intensity um, and consistency. And so, again, what we're saying is we don't want to tell people where to live and where to work. They need to make those decisions themselves. However, we do, as we start planning the ways people travel, uh, think about doing that in the most efficient and effective way and building consensus around the information that we have available and how to utilize that information to make those decisions. Um, you know, as Mayor Blackwell has stated about the NOACA board. We're really talking the same language, regardless of where board members are coming from, because we're looking at things in a way that builds consensus. So we're not looking to um, kind of uh, uh, restrict or put boundaries, but rather say um, this really probably isn't the best uh, interchange location or you know whatever whatever project we're looking at based on the benefits. Um, and the harms to the entire region. And we hope that people understand that and and can really buy into uh, the entire process.
3: It's also great for companies to understand if you're uh, you're in California or something and you're looking to relocate, if you have this guidance to know that you can retrofit a building uh, where you already have existing utilities and infrastructure as opposed to building it all yourself and having to pay all that money for that much better guidance. And also for our existing companies to give them the, you know, the understanding of guidance. We're gonna support them if they if they wanna add on to where they are, as opposed to moving farther out, where it'll be more difficult for their employees to get there. So I think the policy works great for uh, future uh, corporate growth as well.
1: Yeah, actually, uh, Mayor Krause brings up a great point that uh, really what this is trying to do is to encourage uh, growth where infrastructure already exists because your um, scoring criteria will um, be more positive um, and less harmful where, where infrastructure already exists, which is typically, um, it, it could be many places in the region, but typically in more legacy communities,
2: which exist in all five of our counties, some more than others. And to that point, Gojo took a building that had been dark for over a decade and uh, put $25 million worth of improvements in this building. We had a, we have a railroad here. We, we're close to, to the highway. Um, it, it, there are workers that can get there in, a, you know, uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes from various communities. And so that's exactly what happened. Jobs Ohio uh, was very uh, supportive in that effort. And that area, I mean, it's a, it's a great building. And uh, I was just in a, a walkthrough maybe a couple months ago. And what they've done with that space is just phenomenal. But for them, it made sense. It, it made sense. The CEOs of "This, this is the perfect space." And they took what had not been, you know, had been dark and some considered undesirable. But many people look at it and put 25 million dollars in it, and over two years, will will employ uh, 200 employees uh, at, at a very, very competitive wage with full benefits and and uh, educational, you know, higher educational uh, benefits, tuition assistance.
0: Well, terrific. Uh, we are nearing our, our close. I wanna thank you all for a wonderful discussion. It really uh, gives us something to, to look forward to in terms of following how the policy is, is implemented and looking at, at how uh, we can retrofit our, our sprawling region so that it becomes a, uh, a greener, smarter, uh, and more uh, equitable place uh, in which we can live where we, we truly care about each other uh, in every community. Uh, So, I want to thank everyone for joining us today uh, on our forum about building uh, an equitable and thriving region featuring Annette Blackwell, Mayor of Maple Heights, Grace Gallucci, Executive Director and CEO of the Northeast Ohio Area-wide Coordinating Agency, NOACA, and Mayor Edward Kraus from the City of Solon. Today's forum is the annual George S. Dively Memorial Forum on Cleveland's Tomorrow made possible by a generous gift from the George Dively Foundation. Mr. Dively was a prominent business and civic leader in Cleveland. He was a co-founder of the Cleveland 1% plan to encourage corporate support for higher education. And he participated in Cleveland Now, Cleveland Tomorrow and other improvement, urban improvement efforts. Uh, the City Club is grateful to the Dively Foundation and the Dively family for this gift. All City Club virtual forums are sponsored by Bank of America, KeyBank, the Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District and PNC, and the many generous uh, corporate and individual members who support their mission. You can join them in supporting their work when you make a contribution online or become a member at cityclub.org. Special thanks to Michael Barron, the Program Director at the League of Women Voters of Greater Cleveland, Today's forum is uh, really a result of his efforts. Uh, We are grateful for his engagement, and I personally am grateful for Michael's engagement. I'm Steve Litt. Thanks for joining us today. Our forum is now adjourned.